If you're just joining us for the first time, we have been going through a summer message series I've entitled Summer in the Psalms. And we're really just taking one psalm each week and kind of just letting the Lord speak to us and show us different things in it. And and you may wonder, you know, what? how do you decide what psalm to speak on? I mean, there's so many different psalms that we could, we could choose from. But really, kind of give you a little bit of a... Uh, insight into the method of my madness, uh, there are a few different uh, things that go through my mind in prayer. Um, one, you know, I, I like to take psalms that have spoken to my heart that I think would be a blessing uh, to the church, and, 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 but also I know I've had some people reach out and, and uh, request that I preach through a psalm. So we're just kind of taking it week, to, week by week and uh, letting God lead and guide us in the process. But the big idea behind this summer's message series through the book of Psalms is really seeing David's walk with God as a model of a relationship with God. But not only that, looking through the Psalms, I was thinking, man, it really shows a lot on how to communicate with God, how to have a relationship with the Lord. I remember when I was a youth pastor some years ago, I had students that would grow up in the church and they would have you know no idea how to pray or what to pray for and so often I thought well man just crack open the book of Psalms if you're ever struggling with God what do I pray or how do I pray and and kind of let David's model of his relationship with God kind of lead you through that but I also was was thinking that in doing that and in looking at the book of Psalms we learned that we can approach God wherever we are right? Last week we looked at David and how he was in a cave. He was being chased by King Saul and his enemies. And here he was in this cave. And here God met him right where he was in his time of need. It kind of reminds us that we can approach God wherever we are at. And I want to encourage us all with that. You can approach God anytime. But also we can approach God however we are. No matter what season we find ourselves in, no matter what frame of mind, no matter what we're walking through. I mean, we look at David, he cried out to God. He was in a time of loneliness, a time of desperation. And God met him right where he was at. And sometimes I think there's there's this thought that we need to be able to say the right things when we go to God in prayer. Or we need to be impressive or say just kind of the, the right things. But I'll let you know that that is what man would say, right? Okay, God, what matters most to him is what uh, the condition of our heart is. So this morning, uh, as we get into today's psalm, we're going to be looking at a psalm that is one of the most memorized psalms in the Bible. It's comforted many people in their times of mourning. It has ministered to the poorest of the poor. It is ministered and been an encouragement to those who are in prison. It's been read at many funerals. And the psalm that we are looking at today is is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And uh, it's only six verses, but I knew right away that there's just so much that we could unpack here that I wanted to take two separate weeks to look at Psalm 23. So this week we're looking at Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, and then next week we're going to look at Psalm 23, verses 4 through 6. So let's get right to Psalm 23. The words will be on the screen or you can follow along with me in your Bible. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome? One other thing to mention about Psalm 23 is that a lot of songs have been written based off of Psalm 23. And when I knew I was going to preach through Psalm 23, I knew right away that I, I wanted to uh, approach Mary uh, with any ideas that she might have had with uh, putting together a piano arrangement based off of Psalm 23. And if I remember correctly, this song that you're about to play for us was written by a friend of yours. And so she has taken um, the music from that song and, and made a piano rendition of it. And uh, before she plays it, there will, uh, as she plays it, I should say, there will be a video in the background with the words uh, to the song on it. And so thank you so much, Mary. Be blessed as she ministers this morning.
Awesome. Thank you so much, Mary. What a blessing that was. Thank you. Well, this morning, we're going to pull from two major points from Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. As we look at verse 1, right away, we see that David calls the Lord his shepherd. Now, if you know anything about David, you know that certainly he would be very familiar with what the life of a shepherd would be. Because he was a shepherd, right? He grew up being a shepherd. You see references in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and in 1 Samuel chapter 17. But here scholars suggest that Psalm 23 was actually written when David was a king. So that kind of gives us a little bit of insight when David was writing this psalm that it's not as if his previous life as a shepherd was anything to be ashamed of. Because here he says that the Lord is his shepherd. He's likening God to that of a shepherd. So in looking right at verse 1, David refers to God as shepherd. God is shepherd. Now we have to answer the question, what do shepherds do? It's not something we often hear reference to these days. But there are actually, believe it or not, a lot of modern-day shepherds that tend to flocks of sheep. I guess I have no reason to think there wouldn't be. I just haven't thought a whole lot about it. Um, so here, David refers to God as shepherd. I actually have an image of a modern-day shepherd tending to sheep, and you could see the, the sheep and whatnot in that video. In the Old Testament, we see references to God as shepherd. We look at Genesis 49, 24, where Jacob called God the, the Lord, the shepherd, the stone of Israel. In Psalm 28, verse 9, David asked the Lord to shepherd the people of Israel and bear them up forever. So here we see that there's kind of an established theme in Scripture of God being our shepherd. But often, at least I don't, refer to God as shepherd, really. Maybe you do, but often when I say I'm going to go worship the Lord, I'm, going to say, I'm not going to say worship God as my shepherd. I'm not going to go pray to the shepherd. I certainly could, but that's just not super common in, in how we, we pray and, and talk about God. The shepherd is also referenced in the New Testament as well. In John 10:14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So what does it mean to be a shepherd? A shepherd means to, to tend, to guide, to pasture, to teach, to feed. So here David is, is writing this, really this prayer, this psalm to God saying, Lord, you are my shepherd, you are my guide, Lord, you teach me, you feed me, you guide me. It's an interesting observation if you look at Psalm 23 that I haven't really noticed or paid much attention to before, but... Right after the Lord is my shepherd, there's a semicolon. It, it doesn't just end the sentence there. But rather it says, I shall not want. Or some translations say, I shall not need or I lack nothing. It says, if knowing the Lord is your shepherd is more than enough. And really, if you stop and think about it, this has been the theme throughout this whole entire series of finding true satisfaction and fulfillment in God. It's sad how many people try to find fulfillment in the pleasures of this world. Even Christians do that, yet it only leaves them feeling empty. There's two words that I, I find that are pretty dangerous for me to start saying, and it's if only. 
If only I had more of this, and if only I had more money, if only I had uh, more possessions, if only I had a bigger home, if only I had a better job. And it just yet turns into this vicious cycle of wanting more and more, and nothing is ever enough. There's times in my life where I didn't find God as my shepherd, that I didn't find God to be more than enough for me. For me, it was actually in church ministry. I remember when I started out in ministry, been a part of ministry for about 10 years in some capacity, but there was a point in my life where I kept wanting more and more opportunities, more time on the stage to shine, and really, ministry in and of itself became an idol for me. And there was a time I remember when a pastor sat me down, I was kind of going through a time of transition, and he said to me right in the face, point blank he said Sam it's not like we need you now that was a little bit abrupt it hurt a little bit but looking back at that that was a very eye-opening response for him to say to me my problem was I kept finding worth in church ministry and opportunities in in music and worship but what I was lacking was my true satisfaction and joy in the God of my salvation in, in hindsight, I kept wanting more and, and more to try to cope with. Really, what it came down to is a lot of insecurities and weakness in my life. My worship became more about my talents, my contributions to the church, rather than giving God glory, giving glory to the one who gave me those talents and abilities. See, I'm convinced when we get to this place of finding God as our true shepherd, where we find this place of contentment in Him, and saying, God, nothing else matters. I lack nothing. I think that's when he is ultimately glorified. So that was just kind of a little example of me finding this discontentment in my life and trying to find my fulfillment in, in my talents and abilities and, and different things and, and living a life of really wanting more and more. Some people have other things that they desire and want more and more of. Perhaps materialism, perhaps money, certainly can prevent us from finding contentment in God as our shepherd. I came across a research study that came out recently about a study. The more money you have, the more depressed you are. This is statistically based on this particular study. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not going down that trail of saying money is, is, is just evil and bad and horrible and we shouldn't have money. But based on this study, if, if we aren't careful, we can reach a certain threshold of, of having stuff and, and possessions in our life that we really become less satisfied and are reduced in a very reduced well-being. See, the more money you have, the more you want, the more that money keeps fueling that desire for more. So I think that there's something to say about what David's putting it here, about placing being at a place in our walk with having God as our great shepherd. That point where he is all that we need, that simply having him as our shepherd, our provider, our guide, our teacher, is more than enough. I think there's important implications for this concept in the church as well in fulfilling the Great Commission. As pastor, there's times where I stop and, and pray and think, God, what, what is our focus as a church? 
Is what we are about as a church, does it exemplify the heart of God? Or does it come back to how it fulfills us, how it satisfies our needs? And I'll just say that not just about our church, I'll say that about the Ohio Ministry Network or the Assemblies of God. Is what we're doing really glorify God or is it more about us? If we're not careful, it can get to that point where it becomes more about us. I, I was uh, sitting at a meeting this last week with a number of other ministers from Williams County. We were sitting in on this presentation put on by this missionary who leads this parachurch uh, ministry. And he was just sharing to us about different things. And, and one of the things he, he shared with in, in this meeting is that 59%, this is based on a statistic, 59% of people in the city of Bryan have no religious affiliation. So let that sink in for a minute. Folks, the, the harvest is plentiful out there. But so often churches, if they're not careful, can get so focused on their own things, their, their own plans, their own ministry silos that they lose sight of what it's truly all about. And this missionary was sharing, the one who was leading this meeting, he, he recalled when he was a pastor, when he came to this realization that the, many of these unchurched people, they're not impressed by the big buildings. They're not impressed by the, the incredible worship teams. They're not impressed by all these different things that we often pay so much attention to. But really what matters so often to them is, are you real? Will you love me? Will you help me? And so I have to ask myself that question. What is our aim? Is it making God our shepherd? Is it allowing Him to lead us and guide us to this place of saying, God, I lack nothing in You? Maybe in your own life you have found your place in a place of wanting. You just say, man, I just lack fulfillment. And you strive for so many things in this world, but it just leaves you feeling empty. I want to encourage you, let the Lord... Be your shepherd. Let him be your guide, and in him you will lack nothing. Now there came up a, a few different signs of, of, of discontentment, of uh, signs of feeling unfulfilled in life. And, and one of them, I think, is, is if you focus on your possessions or your riches, over your relationships, your family, over God. That's one of those things that is a sign of discontentment. Perhaps uh, the comparison trap, I'll call it. Maybe falling into this place of comparing yourself to other people. Like, oh, they have what I want, or they have better than what I have. Or certainly the trap of the grass is greener on the other side. If only I can be in a better city, a better career, a better relationship, a better home. I love how the Apostle Paul taught on contentment. In the Lord, he he struggled with this. He he walked through this as well. In Philippians four eleven through thirteen, he says, "For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content." Let's just stop there for a second. He's he's at this place of of learning. Okay, becoming content in the Lord, getting to this place of the Lord being your shepherd, in this place of not wanting anything else is a process. It's a learning process. I think that's a part of spiritual growth and maturity in the Lord. And he says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. 
In and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. David is saying, I know what it's like to be in the valleys. I know what it's like to be brought low. I know what it's like to go without. But I also know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to be on the mountaintop. But he says, no matter what situation I find myself in, whether it's bounty, whether it's hunger, whether it's abundance or need, he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's essentially saying, God, all I need is found in you. And I think that's a great challenge for us all today. If you find yourself the poorest of the poor, or the richest of the richest, only true contentment is in God. David also talks about, in making the Lord your shepherd, that we find care and provision for our souls. There's care and provision for our souls. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now just put yourself in David's shoes here. Here he's writing to the Lord, the Lord as a shepherd. That would assume or imply that David is a sheep, right? In this analogy. I don't know if you know anything about sheep, but sheep are very dumb animals. Sheep have to be told what to do. He's like, I know, you're like, you know what I'm talking about, brother. Sheep don't know how to care for themselves. The shepherd needs to lead the sheep to the food, to the green pasture. I don't know about you, but there's times where I've found myself a lot like a sheep. For the believer, we find rest and food in the Word of God right here. Like a sheep, we sometimes don't fully understand the need to find the food in the Word of God. The Word of God fills our souls, it nourishes us, it strengthens us, it gives us wisdom. I love how Jesus puts it in Luke 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And not only do we find rest and provision in this, the green pastures, in the word of God, but he restores our souls. He restores our souls. What does it mean to restore something? It means the dictionary definition is to bring back, to turn back, to reinstate, to rescue. Jesus rescues too. Jesus rescued the lost sheep, right? He left the 99 to go find the one. Why did he go do that? He went to save it. And that's what the good shepherd did for all of us too, or is made available for all of us, is in him he saves us from the penalty of sin. He saves us from eternal separation from God and hell. He restores our soul by laying down his life for the sheep. Earlier I read John 10, I am the good shepherd, but the last part of that verse, it says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. But not only does he save us, not only does he lead us, but he also leads us to paths of righteousness. 
In Proverbs 4.11 says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. Not only does he provide rest for our souls and provision for our souls, but in him, he leads us to right, to righteous living. In him, we know the difference between right and wrong. Now again, I, I had mentioned sheep are dumb animals, but they're also very social animals. I don't know if this uh, is, is true exactly, but it makes me think that sheep just kind of go with the whims of whatever the other sheep do. If that sheep wanders off, that sheep will do the same thing. They kind of give in to peer pressure, if you will. We are to be led by the good shepherd as well. In church, if we're not careful, we may try to play by our own set of rules. Or not just in church, just in our walk with Christ. We may know how to go through the motions on a Sunday. We know how to put on our Sunday best. We may know how to look the part and play the part. But on Monday, everything changes. And Monday, we may do our own thing. On Monday, we may wander off. I love in Matthew, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are to stay on God's righteous path. And how we do that is be led by him, the good shepherd. I also think it's, it's not just by making him our savior because it's easy to say that right it's easy to say oh god's my savior he saved me but we also need to make him our lord we need to surrender everything to him the good shepherd and i think that's what sort of happened to me when i was going through that season of ministry i got prideful i got arrogant i began to do as i please i began to make my own rules i was kind of on a power trip in many different ways but looking back at that time in my life, I was just wandering on my own path, living on my own accord and not being, by, not being led by the good shepherd who leads us to righteous living. And that's my challenge and encouragement to us all today. That we begin to model, like what I talked about earlier, a relationship that we see with David and with God, making Him the Lord of our life, making Him the shepherd of our life because in Him we lack nothing. And this morning as I invite the worship team to come back up and we're going to go into a time of really reflecting on our own hearts and lives before the Lord. But I just have this question to ask you today. Have you made the Lord the shepherd of your life? Truly think about that. Truly begin to ponder that. Have you made the Lord the shepherd of your life? Are you at this place of saying, God, I have my complete fulfillment in you. I have my complete joy and contentment in you, God. I literally lack nothing. Do we find care and provision for our souls in him? Do we feed off the word of God what I have right in front of me? Are we being led by him on paths of righteousness? Or are we just kind of going it on our own? 
just kind of going by the whims of how we feel or what society would say or our emotions or what uh, our friends or family would say. Are we a lot like that sheep that wanders off? Maybe you're like a sheep wanders off and you keep giving into that sin vice or falling into that temptation. Maybe you've gotten away from the Word of God or maybe maybe you're at a point where, man, I, I know how to pull up Scripture that kind of fe- uh, fits my and suits my needs in the moment, but really you've neglected so many other parts of Scripture. This morning as we enter a time of prayer and reflection, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes. I love how David ends this passage, he says this is for his namesake. Like the pastor was was telling me, he says, Sam, we don't need you. It's a reminder that it's really not about us. It's never been about us. It's not about our merit. It's not about what we can do or offer. But it's what he did for us and who we are in him and who we can become in him. I was just thinking, you know, of all animals, a sheep is not very flattering to be compared to, is it? But I believe that we can certainly learn and be humbled through understanding and being aware of any sheep-like tendencies in our own life. This morning, it's my prayer that we learn to be led by God as our shepherd our teacher, our guide. And gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for just what a real powerful psalm that would just really scratch the surface with this morning in these three verses. And Heavenly Father, wherever we find ourselves today, a place of wanting, a place of feeling unfulfilled, maybe a place of just going through the motions. I'm kind of starting to wander off the path. You're at a place where you're just kind of doing your own thing and not making the Lord your shepherd. Help us, Heavenly Father, to consider first what we have in you as well, God. We have salvation, we have joy, we have freedom, we have contentment, Lord. In you we lack nothing. Heavenly Father, as we think, reflect on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ this morning, who laid down his life for the sheep. The one who paid the penalty of of sin and death so that we could have fellowship with you in your presence. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that even if we feel like a, a helpless sheep this morning, pray, God, that you just help us to be led by you in your path of righteousness. The one who feeds us, who guides us, who teaches us. This morning, before we go into a time of reflection and, and another song of worship, I just want to extend an opportunity for you today. If, if you're at a place where you, you're like, man, I, I'm like a sheep that has wandered off the path of the shepherd. You're at a place where you've kind of done it 
you're doing it in your own way, your own accord. You're trying to do things your way. I would encourage you to be the one who follows the path of righteousness, who makes Jesus not just the Savior of your life, but the Lord of everything. Because in Him, we lack nothing. And if you're here today, you're like a sheep that have wandered off, and you want to commit your life to Christ. If you would, just simply slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Go ahead right now. And if we would just all pray this prayer together. If you'd repeat after me, say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.